0: Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bikes Apart podcast. I'm Colin Gray as usual and the Mountain Bikes podcast is about, I didn't even say the title right, I'm good to start there, Mountain Bikes Apart podcast. is all about anything mountain biking, talking about kit, uh, reviews of uh, bikes themselves, of skills, of trails, anything mountain biking, anything interesting to the mountain biking community. And you can tell I'm a bit rusty of in intro there because we're on a season break because we're a few episodes um, down at the moment, we're about three or four weeks out, I think, from the end of the last season. But I thought we'd fill in a bit of the gap by talking to a friend of mine, Owen Philipson, who is a, a completely self-professed bike geek himself, just like myself. Uh, so I'm going to find out a bit about uh, a few things from um, his cyclocross knowledge, his cyclocross experience, through to strength and fitness and th- and flexibility, how that helps him in his cycling as well as maybe a few other things as well related to that just around mental well-being i think one is that what uh that your kind of expertise these days Uh,
1: yeah definitely (laughs) i think uh there's a few tips i've got along that side of things as well but thanks for having me on the show yeah quite uh excited to be on uh so i followed you for uh probably about a year i think so uh yeah it's interesting to get uh your expertise on the mountain bike side of things like you said i'm more of a cyclocrosser and a roadie so uh uh, originally, so I've, I've enjoyed listening to your chats yeah. uh, on your show.
0: It's all bikes though, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I, I do give the skinny wheels a bit of abuse every now and again in the show, but I, uh, I'm, I'm as as prone to going out on the road bike as I uh, mountain bike these days, just because it's so much easier, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's not to say that I don't mountain bike either. I think I, when I first got into cycling, um, it was uh, sort of rigid, crow molly mountain bike uh, was my was my first proper bike and going up the pentland hills in edinburgh um with cantilever brakes and uh <laughs> i don't know how much it weighed but it weighed a lot um and uh right off of our doorstep um on the outskirts of edinburgh me and my wee brother had a pretty good uh pretty good little local set of hills yeah, to, yeah. to explore in um so so that was where i started so yeah. and then when i when i moved to where i am now in sterling um I had a bit of a break from cycling in uni, and then time after that, a few years where I wasn't really riding. And when I moved to Stirling, um, got back into mountain biking, and uh, that's another area where it's pretty, uh, pretty rich pickings in terms yeah. of trails. So you know, we
0: always we're always threatening to try and get out, and you show me the uh, the hills are in Stirling, aren't we? But yeah, we never quite managed it so
1: far. But, uh, you know, for anyone who isn't from around here, um, it's maybe not that well-known, not as well-known as the big trail centres that you've spoken about quite a lot on the show. Um, It's all, well, it's virtually all kind of natural trails of different kinds. There's one or two little uh, gorilla-built trails, you know, unofficial, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. um, (laughs) Kicking about, which are sometimes in danger of getting kind of taken down by landowners and these type of things. But it's mostly natural trail different types of wooded stuff and then there's a couple of big hills that you can go up um, there's some uh, cliffs uh, north third uh, which is at the cliffs above our reservoir uh, behind uh, canvas Baron, which is a village just to the west of sterling so there's loads of different uh, mountain bike playgrounds if you like um, the thing with me was i just found my skills just weren't there really f- to enjoy it so it's quite kind of steep in places and rocky and rooty and uh, for me it was uh, just a wee bit too scary in, <laughs> in places to kind of I felt I was falling off or I think one of the things you spoke to with Tom Bell about you know stacking it going uphill at a very yeah. low pace and your, <laughs> your, your, your foot remaining in the pedal you know those type of little things where if you've got the skills, it's not an issue. So that was what, yeah. was, what I was suffering from. So I um, stuck to the roads when I when I got back into cycling about <laughs> this is when about eight eight years ago. Um, so I so I quickly kind of gravitated towards that.
0: See, I think that I, I well I yeah I'm certainly not the most skilled mountain biker in the world by any means, but uh, I, I I'm not too bad I think, and I still fall off all the time. <laughs> I feel like sometimes not maybe not as much as I used to, but it's there's something definitely around. Uh, I don't know. You, you always ride to your to the to the edge of your limits, don't you? So the better you get, it's just that you true, you fall true. off on trickier parts, I suppose, or yep. or when you're trying harder. So, um, yeah, maybe it's just about being uh, more uh, more more willing to fall over. Is that the only way you get better? Yep. Is that how you get better quite, on a bike? Quite
1: possibly. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly off, <laughs> for off road. Yeah. Um, I guess if it's um, if it's natural terrain and there's quite a few sort of rocks and bits like that about, yeah. you know, it's sometimes those falls can be a bit unpleasant. So uh, there's I certainly know. a few bits that I just wouldn't ride, you know, going up. There's a, one of the hills I mentioned is called Damyat, mm-hmm. uh, so it's behind the uni- Stirling University, and there's a, quite a few sections of that where it's it's quite a large, almost like a rock gardeny bit uh, natural though and uh, you know there's some of the best guys uh, can ride up it and and down it you know um, Stu Thompson for example of um, Cut Media fame the guy that films the Danny McCaskill videos is one one guy who lives around here and he's someone who I've seen videos of him just kind of uh, you know that trials riding style of mountain biking where you can kind of hop and haul yourself up a particularly tricky bit. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's he's one of those sort of really really good riders around here who can who can ride that um, that particular section. Um, and uh, yeah, I think if if we we'll want to see what that looks like, I think if you hit um, uh, type Danny McCaskill Sterling mm-hmm. into YouTube, there is a video of him demoing an orange, a new orange five, I think it was, or it was an orange. A new orange frame that they they got him to ride um and do a wee video around stowing. that was kind of before he got really super famous like he is now Mm -hmm. um and that's a nice there's a nice bit of him doing a bit of sort of downhilling and a few a few a few tricks kind of rolling across a few um things like fallen logs across a river and stuff and it's kind of Foreshadowing of the of the sort of really daredevil stunts that he was starting to pull a bit later. Yeah. Um. So that's quite a nice one, just to see the area that I'm from, and put it in context uh, with such a
0: famous rider. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's cool. Yeah. Because it's like you said at the start, it's just not a place that people think of as a mountain biking area. We more think of uh, where you started out, like Edinburgh. So Pentland yeah. Hills are pretty good, but actually just south of Pentland, uh, of the Pentland Hills of Edinburgh. It's Peebles, of course, with um, two of the best trails in the country. You've got the yep. interest and, and are leading. So, coming up to the Central Belt, I feel, well, north of the Central Belt, I should say. I've been kind of struggling to find any places. I, I suppose I was spoiled, like I, yourself, in my youth. So, uh, yeah. Even yep. though we've got some good hills just in Perth, we've got the um, Canol Hills, which are actually there's some good mountain biking up there. Uh, and then across to Kreef, um, There's some good stuff across there as well. And then Sterling, of course, but. It's just yep. all. Sometimes I just feel like it's I don't know. I just I just feel disappointed when I go out because it's just not people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so S-
1: Sterling Sterling's like a possibly a, an unknown or slightly underrated area. I think. I mean, like you say, you've got your big your big trail centres and your your famous areas, and uh, somewhere I think that if as a mountain biker you maybe need to take a little bit of time to get to know it. Mm-hmm. But for the the locals are definitely spoiled, and I think they probably are quite happy that it isn't that overcrowded as well um but local riders i mean there is a a great local scene you could call it um with just with a lot of riders especially midsummer, i mean you'll get sort of 30 riders at the top of the hill all who've come out with different wee groups and and they'll just be sitting up up top of the hill in the sun if it's a nice night that sort of thing is not uncommon so um uh
0: yeah Cool. So, all right, let's uh, get over to one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you on this was the fact that you're a a cyclocrosser. That's your main sport, isn't it? Yeah. So I I went to that
1: after doing road. So it was mainly, that's my main sport now,
0: I would say. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what, well, part of the reason I think I wanted to talk about it was because I keep asking you questions about it because I'm kind of interested. And I think the reason i'm interested right now is because when you get into the winter obviously you can go out mountain biking mountain biking is a great sport to do over winter as well because it doesn't matter when it's rainy and muddy it's actually kind more fun because of that uh, as opposed to road biking i think which just gets miserable in the winter i'm, I'm late yep. to believe <laughs> um, <laughs> but for some reason i i'm not sure why i find that the mountain biking events tend to dry up with the winter so even though mountain bike is a great winter sport, you don't tend to get many races. You don't get many events yep. going on. Whereas cyclocross seems to kick in during the winter season. Yeah, or yeah. It Starts to get cold. So it feels every year I get to, like September October, and think maybe I should get in in this uh, cyclocross sport because you know there's a few races to go on to events to go to. So wh- that's why I start thinking about it. Why I thought it might be of interest to folk that listen yep. to the show. Uh, so. First of all, what I mean, what is cyclocross? Then talk us through it. Give me a wee uh, sort of few minute uh, introduction to the sport. Yeah, so um,
1: yeah, it's definitely a winter discipline. So the the race season is, you know, I guess traditionally sort of October to February. Sometimes it stretches out a wee bit um, beyond that, Um, and so that's quite a defined time for the season. Um, I guess you could say. The mountain bike season or the race season is more summer, um, you know, with the with the big UCI races and all of that. Um, And uh, I think so. Cyclocross first came about was a way for road racers and track riders to keep fit over the winter. Mm. And um, you know, legend has it it was just a a challenge to get from village A to village B by any means necessary. Um, You know riding through fields hopping over walls and things like that so it was you know that's where the sort of obstacles came into it and uh it was on drop drop bar bikes with uh slightly fatter tires um and uh you, you know a core part of it is that you have to dismount your the course should force the rider to dismount you know once a lap to to get over some sort of obstacle whether that's a barrier uh you know just a plank of wood sometimes or if it's climbing up a hill where it's uh it would actually be faster to shoulder the bike and just run up the hill yeah Um, yeah. so it's so it's a lap course first of all how long do the laps tend to be so the laps are somewhere between you know seven to Seven to ten minutes, maybe okay uh, so quite it short depends, depends how fast you are but they're they're definitely a lot shorter than an x c course yeah yeah uh, yep, yeah, and it's it's the the senior disciplines are kind of one hour essentially plus plus one lap or um uh, something like that, okay. whereas if you're you know some of the veteran categories or junior categories can be forty five minutes, mm-hmm. it just depends on the age group and the the level. Mm
0: -hmm. so it's uh it's it sounds like it's a reasonably short sharp type of race like you're doing uh quite quick laps you're doing it a bunch of times and it is less than an hour generally yep and um like like the cross-country mountain
1: biking it's the it's that mass start so it's the same uh situation as that where the gun goes off and it's fast as you can with a big uh bunch at the beginning so the the sprint is at the start is the is the thing there and um, you've got you know for the for the racers who are trying to win um, it's pretty key for them to you know to get into the first corner in a good position Uh, so that's one of the the key considerations if you're taking it seriously i think for everyone else Um, and that's one uh, good thing about the sport especially in scotland and i think also in england as well and in the u.s um that there there's a, it's a good particip- participation sport so the guys and women in the middle of the pack are you know, can race to compete with themselves or people of a similar sort of level yeah, and yeah. uh if you're getting all bunched up on the first lap you know somewhere towards the back, then. You know that's fine you can still enjoy a pretty hard race with people who are of a similar sort of level as you yeah. um,
0: and still enjoy it yeah with laps that length you're not going to be left way behind or anything right so you're gonna yeah to depends what sort of a race you're in i mean
1: you know the the ones that i've done i'd certainly quite often get lapped especially if it is a short lap mm-hmm. if it's longer then it, you know obviously takes longer for the faster guys to get all the way around and lap people and, well certainly when i was going well pretty fit then i might stay on the the, the lead lap like i wouldn't get lapped necessarily but yeah, you know yeah. that would be a good day for me um but i normally expect to be lapped probably by the
0: fastest guys in the scottish races that yeah. is yeah so the terrain you mentioned a bit about it the fact that there's obstacles there yeah discounting uh, the obstacles for a minute what are what's the sort of average terrain like so um i think to
1: your typical mountain biker it would probably seem quite tame. Uh, so it's tends to be, you know, grassy parks. You, you've either got a grass surface or, you know, it may be a little bit of single track, but the idea is that most of the course should be um, about three meters wide so that you can facilitate path uh, overtaking. Um, you know, there might be a little bit of single track. It's not meant to be too extensive. Um, and then uh, sometimes you can get sand sections. So for example, uh, uh, just this weekend past, one of the Scottish cyclocross races took place down at Irvine Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got, you know, it starts on a grass section. You're up a hill. Um, there's some muddy, muddy sections, and then you go through quite a long uh, sandy, uh, sandy section where you know, your wheels are, your back wheels kind of skidding about all over the place, and right. you've got to really put power and control down to to get through that. So yeah. those, are, those are pretty tough. Um, and then you you might get some pretty thick mud as well. So yeah, yeah. it just depends on the condition. So sometimes you're actually. Quicker to get off and trudge through that sloppy yeah. Yeah. section and, and carry it. Uh, <laughs>
0: so uh, it's especially. a massive variety, then. Yeah, really? I think.
1: Yeah, the, the idea is that it is very varied. Um, so you know, one from one course to the next, um, you know what uh, you know. Some courses might have sand or thick mud. Other courses might be pretty hard packed and smooth. Um, so and again, this, this is similar to the mountain biking as well, where the tire choice, if you're at the the serious end of the scale, your tire choice can make quite a big difference. Mm. Um, if you're going to go for something much knoblier and softer, or or uh, something with less tread that you can run at a wee bit of a higher pressure, um, that's uh, a key consideration as well. So
0: yeah, yeah, it was the uh, partly the kit actually that interested me about it too, because i I've always what wo- I've always fancied a road bike, because I have to admit. I, 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 we a bit jealous of how kind of sleek they look sometimes compared to our big uh, fat bikes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but they just they just seem so spindly sometimes. You know, like you've got a road bike and you feel like it's going to break if you go over the tiniest uh, little pothole. Okay. Now, I'm sure that's not true, but they look like that. But the cyclocross bikes, I think, look quite cool because they're you know they just look a bit more. Uh, manly shall I say <laughs> the
1: <laughs> the chunky, yeah
0: totally the chunky tires and, yeah and when I'm when you when I was used, I mean I mostly used that kind of bike for commuting I suppose and I'd like I like to I had a route from uh, my old house to my old work years back uh, which had a bit of a walking track halfway so it was like I, I could take that off if I had a cyclocross bike so that was when I first got one um so yeah I I, I quite like the bikes they're quite they're nice yeah. looking um, uh, machines it depends what appeals to your aesthetics
1: and taste. But these days um you get some pretty clean looking um cyclocross bikes as well, 'cause uh generally you won't have bottle cages on, certainly if you're racing it. Okay, um, I mean, if it's yeah. a, if it's a commuter cyclocross bike, then you'll you'll have all these lights and cages and yeah, yeah. saddle pack and accoutrements. But for for the for the race machine, um you've got no cages, no spare tire in the saddle bag yeah. there's nothing on it so it, it almost has certain elements of a track bike in that it's very clean and tidy that looking looks, and also yeah. you there's quite a lot of single ring setups now that's uh has come into fashion almost if you like yeah. so you've just got one ring up front and uh that's one less derailleur um you know one less bit on it so um yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty clean looking bikes
0: It's the same as a mountain biking, actually. I um, just upgraded mine to a a single ring in the front and 11-speed at the back. Um, And it was definitely, when I was at Relentless 24 a few weeks back, that was by far the majority had that these days. must have been like 80% or something. It was, yeah, so many people have got rid of those triple front rings.
1: So if you want to geek out on the kit for a couple of minutes, um, you know, Cross has... um, Recently, gone through a bit of an evolution in terms of the drivetrain. Uh Um, And I think it's adopted quite a bit of the mountain bike technology. So, with this single ring setup, um, uh, you can now get one by 11 um, uh, drivetrains Mm -hmm. that give the same, if not a greater, gear ratio than you would have had with your two rings up front, um, because they're using clutch mechs like Uh you get on the mountain bike. So, um, there's a SRAM. CX one group set, um and I'm not sure what I'm trying to remember what the cassette ratio is, but it's something like thirty two eleven, or it's an enormous great range. And does that sound familiar from and biking?
0: It does, yeah. I, I yeah. I'm not yeah hugely up on the the ratios, but it sounds uh, yeah. I can't remember. What, I think mine was a thirty low, yeah, eleven. That does sound really familiar to
1: the so, one I got. but something like that, and so you've got this clutch mech that had that. Um, has two sort of uh settings almost if you like yeah, yeah. and uh and your front ring's just your single ring and uh, that means you've got two you know it's like road bike brake lever uh shifters and levers but only one of them is a shifter the other one is just a brake lever only because right, um, okay. so, you because obviously you're only shifting it in yeah, the back so yeah, um yeah. then the other the other thing that's come across from mountain biking is disc hydraulic disc brakes so um and it's it seems to be an industry driven innovation if you like so as a way to sell more bikes and <laughs> do you know what i mean upgrade um, like your frame to get the discs on it a little bit yeah <laughs> um, but i mean there's no doubt that it, it provides better braking especially in the wet um, yeah. Yeah. and the best way to get that is a hydraulic system um, but I think maybe just the expense Um, for a lot of people, it's just a wee bit too high. And also the tech hasn't, uh, it took quite a while to get that hydraulic system into a road lever,
0: um, to okay. fit all of that right.
1: tech into this little space um uh it's taken quite a few years so there's only there's only a few systems out that do that really well right. and i think right. i think stram did have to have a big recall on them as well so they, they brought them out they weren't ready they had to recall them all lost a whole bunch of money but now they're they're out there they're quite widely used um and so that's trickle down from mountain biking to cyclocross yeah. uh, so t- t- the other thing is tubeless so oh, okay. tubeless tires are, are coming in quite a lot whereas traditionally the the tires were tubulars and i mean i think the professionals still probably mostly r- still ride t- tubulars just it's maybe a tradition and it's maybe just the you know the handmade tubulars are the best quality tires out there that you can get but um for your everyday racer then you know tubeless is probably equally common i think for people to be riding so and it makes yeah. sense i think for that for cross as it does with mountain biking where you know your your tu- your punctures can get sealed and you can you can still run quite a low pressure yeah uh, yeah and all of those benefits so yeah.
0: cool that's interesting uh it- The going nipping back to the the drivetrain, you're talking about the clutch. Now that's not something I've looked into much at all, but I've been reading a bit about them. What does that actually do then? What's what's the difference Uh, between having a clutch drivetrain?
1: I think you've I've almost reached the the limit of my knowledge (laughs) on it already. So I'm making it sound like I know I know exactly what I'm talking about, but as far as I understand it, it um, the the mech will sort of has sort of extra pivots on it so that it can move further out to reach those those big gears um, on the back
0: it just lets it cover a
1: larger cassette possibly right so it's a it's a different engineering design to the traditional um sort of parallelogram shape that you've got on your your traditional mechs it's got an extra pivots and it's also under higher tension um so but you know, beyond that, you know, I'm definitely out of my depth. But yeah. you know, the tension can be an issue. I think if you drop the chain on a clutch mech system, then it can be actually quite hard to kind of wrench it back just with the force of your hand. And you know, if you're if you've been racing or you're out of breath or whatever, you you know, it can be a bit of a pain to get that chain back on. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I haven't used one myself, so right. I think uh, I'll I'll hesitate from.
0: No, I mean, no it makes sense, it, I bet, I bet yeah. you've got it mostly right there.
1: <laughs> I the might listeners
0: can write in about all the things I've got wrong there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're out there and you know exactly what how clutch uh, drivetrains work, then uh, send me an email, uh, and we can get you on the show to explain it. <laughs> Um, cool. That was really good. So what, uh, on the last bit in cyclocross then, what uh, skills do you think are most important in it? Do you think it's very similar to mountain biking or what? Tell me, tell me the bits you think are similar and what difference? Yes. So I think um,
1: someone who's a good mountain biker who would come to cross would find their skills would work pretty well. They'd, they'd see them pretty pretty. They would not be phased, shall we say, by, by a cross course. Um, so you need to be able to ride off camber corners. So your your course designers will set it up to be deliberately awkward, so that you will have, um, you know, an off camber corner that might have a bit of mud on it, and you're going to need to, I think, holding your weight over the bike in certain sort of subtle and delicate ways. Mm-hmm. Is um, that's a skill that's probably underrated. Uh, yeah. I think and uh but if you're if you're mountain biking on all sorts of uneven terrain that's the sort of thing that would come quite naturally to you, whereas for road riders who go to cross that's something that they might struggle with um so so there's that, and there's having your weight forward or back, you know being able to get traction on your on your back wheel and that's something else that will. Uh, come naturally to, to a, a mountain biker um the other skill that might not they might not be um, so used to is dismounting and remounting so as i've mentioned earlier with barriers or or hills um, one of the things that your course designer or your race organizer will try to force you to do is to have to get off the bike at some point mm. and um if you're trying to you need to try and keep your speed through those bits so there's a particular technique to kind of swinging your leg around Um, you know taking your one of your hands off the brakes onto the top tube breaking straight into a run lifting the bike up you know jumping over the barrier if it's a wooden barrier setting the bike back down and hopping back onto it in one um, one motion and if you're if you get really pro at it you're able to leap onto the bike and just land straight in the saddle um and it looks like uh quite a potentially painful maneuver (laughs) if you you land square on the saddle for men or women (laughs) and um but you know there's a particular technique to that and it does save you a few seconds if you don't have to sort of stutter step and jump back on your bike you can just leap straight on it clip right back into the pedals and off you go then you really carry your speed through those those kind of bits um so that's uh that's one that is obvious when you watch races on tv or you see other people doing it you think right how do i how do i do that and it's just something that takes a bit of practice i suppose it's like you know bunny hopping or learning to do drop-offs it's something that you can you can learn i suppose the other um the other thing that i would i would think is just cornering is just absolutely key in cyclocross races so being able to the course will have lots of you know dead 180 turns or 90 degree turns that you know may or may not be slippy and you have to carry your speed as much speed as you can through these corners. Um, and the, the folk who are fastest are the ones who can corner the best. So they, they're not afraid to the extent that they have to break and slow down for this corner. They will just smoothly go through as fast as they they can without coming off or losing their their grip and um uh you know you know the the classic way that that's um taught is you go tape to tape so if you if you imagine a a U shape the course is going around a 180 turn in a U shape and you've got sort of plastic tape demarcating the outside of the course you would and let's say it's a left hand turn you're going to start on the right right out by the tape you're going to cut the apex of the turn and then you're going to take it right back out wide to the other side of the course and sort of brush the, the plastic tape on the other side. So yeah. it's just trying to um, take that that line, that fastest line. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I imagine that that would get quite fun when you when it's such quick laps you build. I mean, you're going around certain corners. Uh, well, all of the corners, <laughs> like five or six times. Uh, yeah. So you can kind of refine it every time. Definitely. Um, yeah. Is that is that kind of how you think about it?
1: Yeah, and that's something I really enjoy when I do the races. Is um, some sometimes you can really nail one particular section. I'm sure it's the same in the you know the the mountain biking in enduros and long. Uh, 24s and things that you do you're you, you are coming back around to those features and you yeah. might just try to um hit them uh just a bit sweeter or a bit better a bit faster that yeah. um, that next time um and uh yeah that's definitely one of the, it's one of the challenges and rewards i suppose you could say the other quite interesting thing with cross is that the course can change over the course of an hour so mm. um because the fields tend to be quite large um you know 100 riders maybe um, it it can get more churned up as you go so you know the best line or the the optimum speed that you can take that might change and you might actually have to be getting off um after half of the race and and running it or you might just have to completely reduce the speed that you take that corner at or or something like that as it as things develop so Yeah. yeah Um, can be quite interesting.
0: Uh, a lot of it. I mean, a, a lot of it does sound like it parallels some of the bigger races on your mountain bike as well. I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned a twenty-four hour race in there, and um, someone popped out me there. I, I, I can't imagine right now. I was thinking at the time we did Relentless a couple of weeks ago as a team of two, um, and actually it was a wimpy team of two on my part because my brother was doing two thirds and I was doing one third, so <laughs> I was only doing eight hours. Um, because he's training for some really big races right now. And I couldn't imagine doing three times as much as that. It was just like, how would you keep riding for 24 hours? But I, I remember at about seven in the morning or something, getting just this little kind of semi-epiphany of how you, how you would handle it. Because I just, I came round a corner and it was about the fifth or the sixth time I'd done it. And I knew it was coming up because I'd done it so many times and I knew the line I'd taken last time and time before. And just like you say, you're just refining it each time and trying to just hit it perfectly. And I think I did that one time hit it just perfectly how I'd planned to. And it just made me think, That must be what that must be how you do it. That must be like if you're doing it for twenty four hours, you're doing twenty four laps, the only way to survive is just to, you know, break it right up and think, here's that bit, here's that bit, here's that bit, can I do yep. that bit better, that bit faster? So yeah it's interesting I, I think the cy- cycle cross appeals to me in that sense in that you're all you're doing it so quick you're doing it so often that yeah you must be able to feel like you're really improving on a really quick basis like it's really quick repetitions <laughs> yep and you know improving
1: your skills is one way to get a lot faster so um we'll maybe talk about training a wee bit later but um in terms of the the courses and the lines you can take and off camber and the dismount and remount and handling in mud if you can if you're thinking of trying cross and uh you like it but you know it's a bit um disjointed if you like your your the way you're riding to to practice some of those things in a park or um you know find a club or get some training sessions from a from a coach can you can really come on leaps and bounds just with a bit of um deliberate practice on on off cambers or different yeah, features yeah. um that can really you can really speed up and get a lot smoother just with a wee bit of careful sort of repetition so yeah
0: yeah,
1: yeah. something that something that quite a lot of people don't don't realize how uh, how many gains or how much gains you can make if that makes sense
0: yeah no i i always remember thinking that every time we went down to Mitchell clintress earlier on i always wanted to just spend a day or an afternoon at least like just session in some of the sections just to get much better at it because most of the time you go down you just do one lap and so you're only doing it once every couple of weeks so you never really get that much better at certain sections do you get the opportunity to practice so yeah that kind of deliberate just spending an hour on one bit makes such a difference i think
1: yeah and i I think if you're racing and you're wanting to be fast that's something that is uh natural to be doing whereas if you're just out for uh you know pleasure riding i've kind of felt this when i was mountain biking with locally was that i wanted to get better but it felt like overkill to go back and like session one bit yeah one drop off it felt like you kind of taking it a bit too seriously or trying <laughs> trying too hard but that, that is yeah. the way to get better is to put in a bit of practice you maybe do that on your own or something um if you're feel self-conscious about it
0: yeah for sure <laughs> cool no that's really interesting thanks that one I, I mean i know i've kind of peppered you with questions about cyclocross sure. for the last little while yeah. but the last few months but uh that's really good to just get a, a massive uh, Overview of the sport. Yeah. I hope, oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's been interesting to the folk listening. So, uh, if you're out right. right there, you fancy trying a, a cyclocross race? Where where would you look? Actually, I mean, there'll be there's a fair few listeners in Scotland, but do you know England too, like the UK at least? Okay, so well, um, for in Scotland, I'm just
1: checking uh, the address now. But it's um, <laughs> Scottish Cyclocross Associate Association, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I think it's SCX.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Don't worry, I can link to them in the show notes, so there's no need to get it uh, exactly right. Uh, if you know the organisation, is there a similar one in England as well? Um, so
1: I'm not familiar with um, how it's organised in England. I think probably the best place to look for races would be the British Cycling website. and uh, then. there too. Too. Great. Filter filter down by region, yeah. um, whereas in Scotland we have a sort of a dedicated body to promote that discipline of the sport that's yeah. been championing it for a, quite a while. Whereas yeah. I don't think there's exactly the same um, exactly the same uh, equivalent in yeah. England. It would yeah. you know, check the British Cycling website, and um, you, know, you can filter on cyclocross and your region. You there'll be races that you'll be able to see there.
0: Yeah, cool. And I shall look up the uh, international organisations. I'm sure there's one in the US and Australia and places like that. So I'll look them up and stick them in the show notes for anybody who's interested. Um, that'd be good. So right, I've kept you longer than I intended to already, but I, I do want to ask you about. We were chatting recently about your uh, the habits you've been working on. So let's try and cover this in a few minutes. Like just what I'll maybe sure. get you back on it at some point and talk about this properly sure thing. and your training and everything because you you're sort of. You're, you always seem very dedicated to your training really good uh, at sticking to it um yeah so um
1: you t- talking about in terms of strength and
0: flexibility yeah, exactly and stuff like yeah that. so you've been you've been trying to stick to it and this is something I've been trying to do as well in the last few weeks so i'm interested to hear what you're doing right now so what what does your strength and your uh flexibility look like right now yeah so
1: um what i'm doing is something called uh, g m b so it's uh this is an online course that you can do um called gymnastic bodies um and uh, there are a few different uh companies or websites out there at the moment that do do that sort of thing where it's um strength and flexibility programs that incorporate elements of yoga gymnastics um you know body weight exercises where you're you're not lifting weights you're just kind of lifting your own body stuff like that and all of this came from um, i used to suffer from back pain when on the bike um and i tried various different ways to kind of get rid of that and slowly um through going to physios, getting massage, and kind of started to figure out which bits of my body, which joints were kind of leading to that pain. And so it seems to be mostly spending my whole day sitting at work leads to sort of tight hips, which goes up into your lower back. Um, And uh, the other issue was just the way my keyboard and computer was set up. So I was kind of craning forward and getting sore neck and shoulders. So I tried to change my posture and keep good habits um, uh, at work, uh, but also um, started these strength, strength programs to try and um, get extra flexibility in the hips and just, I think, just better all around strength. So the GMB system is designed to not to make give you sort of huge pecs and massive guns or anything. It's more just to give you your body um, good general strength, like everyday things like, uh, you know taking the bins out or <laughs> lifting up your child uh, you know things like
0: yeah real strength <laughs> every, everyday strength. things
1: that to be honest quite often are things that can cause you an injury mm-hmm. um so um it's uh and the exercises are very uh sort of unspectacular uh and simple so it's um you know it's things like uh well, it's sort of yoga type movements or stretches um, on the ground, or weird sort of uh, sort of frog hops and uh, um, movements that are a bit like if you if you know yoga, the head down dog, downward facing dog um, type movement, where your your body's kind of um, bent over in a in a sort of pyramid shape, and you, you're trying to sort of walk on your hands a little bit, and it's um, it's developing just. The strength, the the motor skills of different muscles in your in different parts of your body that that mean you can um, move around um, fluidly and, yeah. uh, and 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 so I and I found that that certainly it's helped my back it's helped my it's helped my hips to loosen off yeah. um, things like that and it's almost prevention rather than cure so yeah, for a while yeah. I was getting getting massage and physio and I it, I felt like I had to keep going back in order to keep my body right because sitting at a desk and riding the bike a lot were essentially unnatural positions to be in um uh, and so when i looked at maybe prevention rather than cure it's kind of getting into more squat positions uh, you know learning how to lift properly and getting flexibility in your back so that you can twist behind you um without you know causing causing a problem
0: things like that so um so how how um, often is that, how often and how long is this workout? Okay, so it's, I mean,
1: yeah, the course that I was on, the idea was to do it daily for like 10, 20 minutes or mm-hmm. something like that. And um, for, during the summer, um, sort of August this year, I, I kept that up sort of daily practice or maybe six times a week um, for 20 minutes and that's quite an effort to to keep that up every Mm. day um more more recently it's more like two three times a week um Mm. that i'll do it um and uh yeah
0: and you've have you seen much effect from it have you felt the benefit
1: you know definitely i think um i've just got less fewer aches and pains Mm. and um i i mean i suppose the the real, um, the real benchmark, if you like, is have I, because so I would get um, back strains, kind of maybe a couple of times a year, and I don't know if you've suffered from this, but I'm sure listeners out there will know the kind of thing where if you, you tweak a muscle, you tweak a little muscle, your whole back seizes up, and you're kind of um, sort of moving about like C3PO for like two or three days. And then um, from Star Wars reference, if anyone doesn't know, and and then when it, it loosens off and you're kind of back to normal, but that can be incredibly painful and it could be quite de- debilitating. Yeah, I would yeah. I would do that sort of an, a tweak once or twice a year, and you know, I've certainly not done it this year. And touch wood, I think I'm. I the idea is that I'm getting towards uh, a better physical state of physical sort of strength, if you like, where yeah. by if I don't overdo it, if I don't start trying to, you know, lift uh, heavy weights, you know, I'm just going to be less susceptible to, to that kind of thing. So, uh,
0: did, you, did you set yourself any benchmark when you started this? It, it, it just strikes me whenever whenever I try and do these kind of programs, if the only thing I, I don't know, I'm quite a, a numbers based person or a goals based yep, yep. person. So I need, I need to see progress. Sure. So with GMB um, when you start the
1: program um, they're just trying to get you um, to be able to do certain positions and movements and so they're in the basics course the three movements the the frogger the bear and the monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are three different uh, positions you put your body in and uh, to start with if you haven't tried them before they could be quite kind of awkward to get into um, and uh Towards the end of, I think it's seven or eight weeks. Um, towards the end, you're kind of working up to try and perform some of these for kind of five minutes in a row, mm-hmm. um, five minutes continuously, I should say. Um, so the um, you know, the Frogger is kind of a, a frog type hop where you've got two hands on the floor and your um, your 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 knees are splayed out either side of your hands and you're kind of hopping up and down right. um, <laughs> like like that. And it's pretty tiring. So. Yeah. When you first learn it, you do that for about uh, a minute, and then you can write. Um, I need to stop this. So the idea is, <laughs> you could do that for five minutes, or you could then, um, as you become more advanced, you can incorporate that with the different movements together into a sort of a free-flowing um, movement. So you can you can link them together, and it starts to look a bit like a sort of a floor gymnastics type exercise where you're. Uh-huh um and you know that was just the, the basics program that i downloaded um it's a website and then when you sign in you get videos um uh and then you can you can go on and do more advanced ones to do things like handstands and uh the splits if you want mm. um and it, you know those ones didn't appeal to me quite as much as a cyclist they're a lot focused on upper body strength and uh which which i'm not you know i don't really want to you know have huge biceps or anything i'm more interested in getting power in my legs so there is a squats um uh, a squats tutorial so that once i'd completed the basics i went and looked at that and um it takes you right back to looking at the flexibility of your joints and um that you need to do a good squat so it you assess your ankle flexibility and your hip flexibility. And I found that the ankle was the area of weakness for me. So I've, the past two or three weeks, I've just been focusing on that. And there's some weird movements that you, that, um, that you do uh, on the ankle tutorial. And that's a free one, actually, that people could go and look for. Okay. Um, uh, GMB uh, ankle Ankle tutorial of we'll we'll find that and put that in the the show notes. But, um, you know, it's things like turning your feet in circles with your toes clenched or extended, feet moving your feet up and down with the toes kind of clenched or splayed out, and doing sort of diagonal patterns with your feet, which sounds simple but they're actually quite tricky to do. Um, and that's just to try and get flexibility um, in there so that um, you can the idea for me is that I'll go then go on and do some more squat exercise and that I'll hopefully um, develop a bit of strength in my legs. Uh, so it's something different as well. Um, and it's quite a, um, a sort of mindful exercise, if you like, where you're encouraged to sort of think about how the body feels and concentrate on it. And it can take your mind off things yeah. in that kind of way, um, rather than, you know, hammering, Hamming the gym in a mm. slightly um, stressing you out manic way. Yeah, yeah, it's more about listening to your body and feeling where the where the pain or tension might be, and sort of um, sort of feeling out different areas that might need a bit of extra flexibility, so you can work on them.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that so. sounds really sounds really interesting. It appeals to me for a few different reasons. like the fact that it's body weight exercises only. For a start, because every time I try and do some kind of strength routine, I tend to find you need something and then, you know, you're away for a week. You can't do it. So it falls yep. down. Uh, the fact that it combines flexibility and strength, too, because, yeah, every time you, you know, you spend time doing strength training, then you tend to tighten up a little bit just because you are getting sore and stronger and stuff. And therefore, it doesn't help with other things. So the fact that they're tied together is really cool. Um and yeah, the the mindfulness aspect of it as well is quite good, quite nice. It's just relaxing. Yeah, sounds cool. <laughs> i need to look it yep. up. It's funny actually you mentioned that because I I did look into it a little while back. It was I I didn't know you were going to say that before. I know we talked about the fact that you were doing this, but I didn't know that was a program. But it was um, I'd heard about it on the Tim Ferriss show because he got one of the guys from uh, that designed the program yep. or one of the runners of it. Uh, it was on his show, so I was I had looked it up from that. Yeah, so that's actually a different
1: program. So All Coach right, Summer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy was called Co- Coach Summer. Yes. Uh, who is the the guy that Tim Ferriss um, interviewed? And the two, there's two sort of rival programs, and I think uh-huh. they're. they're they're quite similar on the the tim ferris guys more a bit a little bit more focused on the gymnastics side of things and doing some of those um sort of pull-ups and ring um exercises on the gymnastic rings and things so that there's a lot of similarities the one that i'm doing there's a bit more um there's a little bit more sort of yoga and um i think uh possibly some capoeira type things that have been built into it so it's a slightly less athletic and performance-based um system that yeah, yeah. is the the one that i'm doing i think they're both called gmb though which is confusing one's gymnastic body and the other one's gold medal bodies or something like that right. so um,
0: well, that, i'm glad i asked then because that yeah that, the, the other one was called gymnastic bodies too so yeah i need to make sure yeah. i find the right one <laughs> but you know he, you know either
1: either of those would you know they're interesting as something yeah, different yeah, if you're looking yeah. for strength and they're both they both um look at uh, your flexibility and strength yeah. from really from the bottom up so and on the tim Ferriss interview the guy was talking about the the strength of your connective tissue and joints as being something that's fundamental before you can learn to go on and do you know bigger weights and whether that's um lift them with your with your legs for cycling or if it's your upper body for something else you need to you need to get the the ground the grounding in place before you even want to start thinking about doing you know pull ups or whatever it is
0: so cool okay that was great i thought i I bet you a lot of people will be interested in that stuff yeah look it up so we'll put that yeah that'll be in the show notes Uh, you can find the show notes at mountainbikesapart.com forward slash Let's call it CX1 Cyclocross One. <laughs> we usually have uh, a series code, but this is a wee in betweener uh, episode. So, yeah, call it Mountain Apart forward slash Mountainbikesapart.com forward slash CX1, and you'll find the show notes for this. Um, or, I could talk to you for another couple hours, I'm sure, but uh, I'll need to get you back on again to talk about some other stuff instead, because that's well, us, be de- uh, nearly run an hour now. So, be delighted. Cool. Well, thanks again thanks for having coming on. Me. Oh, do you know what? We need to mention you do a podcast yourself. Where can people find your own podcast? Yeah. So um, my website's owenphillipson.com
1: forward slash blog. And uh, the the podcast is called the Scottish Cycling Podcast. Um, so I've been doing that for about 11 episodes, I think. Um, and that's just to explore Scottish cycling and racing past present and future that's the the little mission statement so uh, <laughs> It's mostly the racing side of things. It's quite a bit, there's quite a few cyclocross episodes there. Um, if you find me, there's some on um, courses and um, officiating and uh, different, different things like that. And I've done one with Kerry McPhee as well, who I know you had on back way back in the day. So if yeah, yeah. people remember her and want to hear where she's up to, um, that was. It's a few months ago now that I did an interview with her, but uh, that, was, that was a good chat that we had as well. So um, people can find
0: that. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, if you found the cyclocross stuff interesting earlier on, definitely recommend you go and have a listen. Uh, I've been uh, really enjoying it actually, listening along. So, yeah, good stuff. Now uh, that is it for this episode. We'll go on, and uh, I'm trying to think whether there's anything. We don't have plans to start the next season for another few weeks yet, but Tom and I will be back very soon. We'll update you. Um, I am going to put out another in between our season, actually, around relentless 24 I did a few recordings through the race I tried to do a recording after every lap to uh, gauge my mood uh, and see <laughs> how miserable I got through the night uh, I don't think it was too bad but I'm going to try and put it together into an episode that I'll put out in probably the next two weeks so that'll be another one before we start the next season but Tom and I are planning the next season so we'll be back in not too long a time I imagine now actually it'll be probably straight after Christmas we'll probably try and get it out uh, first couple of weeks of January, for season uh, to start the season of 2017, that'll be a good place to start it. So thanks again for listening anyway. Thanks again for following along. Thanks for bearing with us during the season break. And I hope this has given you a little bit of food for thought during that time. We'll talk to you next time.